All right. How's it going, everyone? I'm Mark. I'm Ian. And this is the Uncaped Crusaders Review. Today we're going to uh, we're kicking off our Batman the animated series rewatching. Um, yes. As anyone knows, we're rewatching both the Adam West Batman show from the '60s and the Batman animated series, just alternating um, uh, four episodes each week. And so we did the first uh, first well first four episodes, but uh, two full episodes because the the. Uh, uh, the Adam West show is split. Each episode is a half, basically, of the story. So right. I'm gonna have to. I feel like I'm gonna have to explain that every time because it's it sounds confusing. Ah, nah. But anyway, so we watched first four episodes of that, and we watched the first four episodes of Batman animated series, and we'll talk about that as a majority of this episode. But there's a lot of other stuff we got to get to. Obviously, we'll get to movie swap two in just a little bit, but. Ian, there's a lot of stuff that we okay. need to talk about. Um, yeah. We're a little behind on most of it, unfortunately, just because it's kind of happened in the past week or so. But we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of casting things. Um, and so I guess we need to probably get started with that. Obviously, two biggest casting things with the Batman show is the rumored casting. Yeah, not confirmed. Of Andy Serkis as Alfred and Colin Farrell as Penguin. Uh, they're both apparently in talks with the studio, but there's nothing confirmed as of yet. And obviously, that doesn't mean anything because they were these same things with Jonah Hill, and then he ended up not being in the movie. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, who knows? But all I know is every rumored casting thing, every confirmed casting thing, there's never been one thing that has been like a red flag to me. Everything has either been, that sounds great, or yeah, I could see that. And I think that's yeah. about the same thing with these two. Colin Farrell's a little strange for the Penguin, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, you can make someone look however for a movie. So, I mean... Yeah, that, I mean, obviously, Andy Serkis, I think, safe to say, we're both hugely on board with that yeah yeah i was was gonna mention that um right yeah uh, right after that i think is awesome i think that's awesome casting yeah it's it's great to finally see like andy circus as an actor and not just the the motion capture guy right right like he's great as both yeah i think he's got the perfect demeanor uh voice just everything about it just seems to fit great with kind of a an alfred and, um, I, I, you know, there's so many different versions and how to play Alfred. I'm not oh, quite yeah. sure which one he would fit into. I think he could do almost any of them. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, like, uh, I mean, or he could do something entirely new knowing him. And I feel like it would fit right in. Yeah. So big fan of that. Kudos on that. Um, hopefully that ends up being confirmed because at this point, if it's not, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I know it's like I mean there, there's still a lot of great actors that could be uh, Alfred, but it's like yeah, missing out on Pierce Brosnan and then mm-hmm. miss out on Andy Serkis. Like oh, that's two of the best like choices right there. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, hopefully this ends up. Uh, being yeah, the the Colin Farrell one is. I mean, yeah, it's like I'm not like oh what, but it's like just of course like unexpected. Um, yeah, I know that you know obviously the Gotham show, the Penguin was 
completely different looking than how he was usually portrayed. And and it, also in the Batman Telltale game, they had a like a skinnier, you know, like normal looking penguin. So you know it it's becoming more and more popular. It's, yeah, you know it's weird when you're used to the classic, you know. <laughs> cobble pot you know body shape the cigarette holder thing and mm-hmm. top hat and everything but yeah, i mean i call Farrell's a great actor and i i can see it but yeah it's just not what comes to mind yeah i i hope that it um oops i hope that i don't i i don't know i i hope they do more of a an actual look traditional yeah a more traditional look from yeah the penguin you know but at this point who knows anymore you know yeah it's like i I want there to be i want there to be at least something that like looking at him like okay yeah he's definitely the penguin not just calm for old greasy hair and a trench coat like no that's that's not enough yeah i i agree so um so you know we'll, we'll see about both of those um some other things there was uh clips or there was pictures of robert Pattinson training in um brazilian jiu-jitsu which i don't know why that was news i mean i guess just because it was something but to me that isn't news it's like yeah no duh expected (laughs) well i mean it it did come out that the the guy who trained keanu reeves for john wick is the same guy who's training robert Pattinson. so which isn't even a big deal because it's like he's been like the go-to celebrity trainer so it's not even like anything out of the ordinary so yeah that, that's like just more of like the hype culture like everything's sure. getting hyped like oh my god you know it's like every little detail and i feel like it just builds toward like the the different clubs of like batman fans you know it's like oh ben affleck batman is the best one ever and then this one's gonna be the best one ever like it just adds to that hyperbole and you know it's exciting to hear but it's like all right let's you know just temper yeah. our expectations you know calm down um, another thing was apparently there was more of an update with the movie being more like a Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah. I saw that uh, tweeted out um, with kind of different characters playing Sherlock Holmes type characters like Irene Adler and Moriarty. So yeah, all that sounds great. I'm all perfect. for all that. That's awesome. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they still the Batman is just a title that everyone kind of gave to this movie. That's not the official title, right? As far as I know, I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. I just know that's the working title or whatever. Yeah, Who knows if like, it's going to be? Yeah, I don't know if it will be, but I'm like, I don't think that was ever announced. But yeah, so I was just curious with everything that came out. And um, then there was some other news that came out with uh, another cast member with Jamie Lawson joining the Batman cast. Um, oh, is she the black chick? Yeah, and... I'm, so, I'm willing. I'm willing to bet that that's probably gonna be like Gordon's like daughter. Maybe that'd be um, my guess. But that's that's been a report that she's been cast, um, and this will be her first like film role. She just graduated from Juilliard, I guess, and sure, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, not quite sure what no one knows what she's going to be but well, she may not cast. be she may not be like any comic book character she might just be right. like people i remember like when the dark knight rises came out or it was about to come out like literally every piece of casting was like oh my god who's this person be it's like people you know there there there's there's the actors who need to play you know cop number 4 and, and that's what ended up happening <laughs> it's like a lot of the names that people were dropping just ended up being like two scene actors and so it, it yeah. you know it's not freak out and think that she's going to be some 
famous comic book character, but that'd be my guess. It's probably like Gordon's daughter. Yeah, that that's the big a lot of fans speculation right now is Barbara Gordon. Sure. So, you know. Who knows? But anyway, that came out. And uh we got our first like thirty second or like fifteen second teaser for Crisis coming out starting de- uh, December eighth. Doesn't really mean anything. Just few Although, oh. shots from that. I don't know if you saw, there was some, not, you know, not casting announcement, but there was um, apparently a report that uh, Matthew McConaughey is being eyed for Harvey Dent. I, yeah, I saw something about that not too long ago. Yeah, obviously nothing official or anything about it, but I was just wondering about your thoughts on that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no thoughts on it, really. I'm not the biggest Matthew McConaughey fan. See, I am, and I just don't know if I would... If I could see him as Harvey Dent, I feel like it'd be too distracting. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's, a, he's a great actor. He's one of my favorite actors. But yeah, I just, I'd have a hard time seeing anything other than McConaughey. I just don't know if he's a great, again, great actor. I just don't know if he'd be right for that role. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it personally. Yeah. I don't so either. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Um, let's see. What what was I going to talk about? Okay, yeah. Um, one cool thing. We're recording this on a Monday. Tomorrow, Mandalorian comes out. Oh, yeah. Now, um, do we know, is this going to be like a DC Universe thing or a Netflix thing? Like, are they all coming out at once, or is it going to be like released once a week? I don't actually know. It's released once a week. Okay, it is re- uh, released once yeah. a week. Yep. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's fine. Um, Man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows if eventually they'll go to all at once. I doubt it. Um, but definitely right now, while they're building up, obviously, their library, this is their first show. Yeah, okay. it's, it's going to be once a week, so that way they don't just blow their wad. Everyone... Oh, no, I mean, I get it. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally get it. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I might have exactly. to sign up for that stupid thing. I, I know. I like Every part of me is like, no, just wait, and you can watch it all at once. But, I mean, I'll, I'll wait and wait, I'll wait for the reviews. If people are just raving about it, like they might. I don't want to wait for the reviews because I'm excited about it. I just want to watch it. Oh, I understand. I'll have to figure that crap out. Um, but anyway, sticking with Star Wars. Okay, Ian, have you heard the latest things about Rise of Skywalker? Dude, I hear all of it. it dude, dude, I'm more excited I about the news so than the movie itself. I am so excited about this movie now. Uh-oh. I am so excited. This sounds like it might be the worst thing of all time, and I cannot uh, wait. I'm fully on board with this being the worst movie in the history of the world. I'm just excited for the red letter media like Mr. Plinkett reviews are going to come out from this movie. Yes, yes, me too. Now, (laughs) because I have seen so many things. Obviously, Midnight's Edge is one of the best YouTube channels for all this news. They've been awesome with this. Doomcock. Yeah, Doomcock. But there's a great – it was on Cosmic Book News or uh, CosmicBook.News. They had a whole article about it the other day, and it is awesome. Like the, the rumors behind this movie, oh, they're all bad. Is the coolest thing ever. Apparently, George Lucas has been brought in to massively consult and even uh, edit the movie. And again, I don't know how much of stuff that you've heard. I, I've, I mean, I've heard it all. Like every type of like 
Yeah. I've heard, you know, yeah, the diff- the three, they did the test screenings apparently. Yep. Uh, and there was, I guess they went from six different edits to down to three. Yep. Where it was like the, the, uh, JJ Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy version, mm-hmm. the Bob Iger version, and then the George Lucas version. Right. And apparently the George Lucas, like, fare the best. Yeah. That's the rumors going around about test screenings. And, um, Apparently, and, and, and if there are if there are still different edits, and this movie is a month away, like, <laughs> what is even going on? Oh man, it's great. So this apparently, is worse than Justice League. Oh, it's way worse than Justice League. So apparently, they do them out of out of a hundred. The the scoring oh, yeah. for this, and apparently, the Kennedy Abrams version scored a twenty nine, which is just historically horrible. Abysmal. It's amazing. Like the first act got a 65. Yeah. The second act a 12 and the third a 4. 4. <laughs> that that again, all this is rumors though, but this is all the stuff going around and a lot of very this stuff specific, usually yeah. ends up being true. Yeah, it's very specific specific to be rumors. Apparently one of the biggest things is Ray just goes oh, like Super Saiyan and just obliterates everybody and just destroys the emperor and it yeah. was apparently so funny that the audience like burst into laughter god which is amazing the um, sad part is i can believe that right and then bob Iger apparently went nuts and he ordered a redo and so there was a ton of work done and a bunch of it was redone and apparently his screening was like a 65 which is still not good still not great yeah well then apparently they brought george lucas in to make his own edit and he changed a bunch of stuff and added, like, a whole nother character, apparently. A new Skywalker. Yeah, and his apparently scored an 88 out of 100, which, which is I mean, pretty good. If, yeah. So... I mean, like, if, if anyone's going to get the best score about Star Wars, it's going to be the guy who, <laughs> who knows it best. I know. Apparently, I've heard different things from, like, 25% to 75% of the movie yeah. that's been redone. That's and crazy. Apparently, like th- over three hundred million dollars have been spent on just reshoots alone. And um, so these are the three ver- rumored versions. And apparently, whatever the final one has been decided, and has been locked, so that all the final like VFX work can Gotta be, be finished on it. So that's what I've heard from but just I, these I've other heard, channels and stuff. Yeah, but I've I've heard that the final version it's not like they just went with George Lucas like right. okay, this is the way. I heard that they incorporate like all different elements from all different three edits. So it's mm-hmm. literally this Frankenstein monster. Yep, yep. That's what I yep, that that's that's the word going around that it's Dude. that that it's something that absolutely nobody is happy with. That, Dude, like I, I cannot around. wait for the fallout of this movie. It is going to be, be amazing. The internet man. is going to be ablaze. And like I hope I hope George Lucas just did like the dirtiest move and charged him out the ass to bring him back. <laughs> like how great is that? He sells them Star Wars for like four billion. And like we need you back. He's like, all right, give me another twenty. Like, oh, right. God, fine. Like <laughs> they have to come crawling back to him. Like how great is that? Oh, it's awesome. I love it, um, dude. It, it's gonna be such a, a crap show. Like I cannot wait. I know. I know. Me neither. I'm super excited. I'm way more excited now than I was, and. So apparently, apparently, also Star Wars movies are done for the near future. That that's uh, that, that's yeah. a rumor going around, which to me well, is a no duh. Well, it's like when you when the reports say that up to seventy five percent of the movie was reshot. We're talking about a production budget four hundred five hundred million dollars. Like the the amount of money they have spent on this 
is unfathomable. Again, this is worse than Justice League. They and that probably was like, spent over a billion dollars, and that doesn't include marketing. Yeah, because there's been no marketing. <laughs> like this movie, I bet to make a profit, this movie would have to make like $2 billion. Yeah, it's, it's not going to make a profit. It's not going to flop, of course, but it's not going to make a profit. And right. I can guarantee you once once the movie comes out, if they don't announce it, I guarantee you Kathleen Kennedy is already like done. Like oh, she, she has, has to be done. I, I guarantee the whole Kevin Feige that was just them downplaying it. Like he has already taken over everything, it if has, not already. It has like, to be. but I guarantee after after Skywalker, if they had the balls, they would announce that she's done. But they won't because right. Disney loves being a progressive company, and they're not going to fire a female CEO. Right. So like she'll get promoted, and she'll never be like deal with the movies again. But she is done. Uh, yeah, she, I mean, she has to be. But but apparently, because you know, they already fired the Game of Thrones creators who were going to make their own. Uh, trilogy and yep. apparently there's rumors that ryan johnson has already been fired as well from his oh. uh from his star wars if they had any brainy well, because well. the only the only person who wants to keep him on is kathleen Kennedy, right and the only right. reason like he was even given the movie is because she liked his ideas right because they're both just massive uh massive progressive liberal wackos who want to just push their crazy liberal agenda, agenda on everyone which is the whole point of this entire trilogy yeah. well it's, it's just... like the, the the proof is like literally ryan johnson had done two movies before this both of them like each like seven years apart like the last movie he did was looper which came out like mm-hmm. 2010 and then all of a sudden right after making last jedi he has a movie coming out two years later that's no coincidence it's right. like that's kathleen kennedy like getting him in it's like no mm-hmm. it's like yeah so if disney uh, bob Iger, you know is like no i do not want that guy back it's like bringing him back is it's the dumbest thing you could do, but I, yeah, they're, they're, I'm not surprised they're doing movies for the time being. Yeah. So that's, that's the rumor, which makes sense. Cause this whole thing is just a nightmare. And that's so oh, sad. Man. Too. It, it's sad, but also I'm happy it turned out this way because well, yes. screw all of, all of it for everything. Yeah. Their, their hubris has come back to bite them. Like, I mean, they had a golden goose star yes. Wars, like a money printing machine and you somehow make that unprofitable. Yep. How do you do that? Uh, you do it by shoehorning all of your uh, political I- ideologies into a movie, completely ignoring your fan base and thinking you have a golden goose that's just going to lay stuff indefinitely and you can do whatever you want. Yeah. That's how that happens. I mean, Solo, Solo was the big kick in the balls for them, but this, but but now they already know, and now they're freaking out about Rise of Skywalker. Like, if you, I would love to be a fly on the wall at Lucasfilm and just see... Like, mm-hmm. out of a scene from Airplane of people just running around, like, stuff on fire. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, oh, man, my God. it's going to be great. I cannot wait. Apparently, oh, there's excited. rumors about having Anakin and Luke in the movie, like, yeah. like in the flesh. Oh, I cannot wait. This is going to be awesome. I can't uh, wait to see how bad and how just insane. This movie might be even more fun for me to watch the first time than Batman vs. Superman. I had a great Whoa. time watching that movie in the theater for the first time. And I might have even more fun watching this movie. This might, this might be more fun for me because like at this point, I don't care. Right, like, no. right. It's all just a shame because to be honest, I didn't even hate Force Awakens. I enjoy I Force Awakens, but after all this, basically after Last Jedi, it pretty much ruined the Force Awakens even for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, which is just a shame. It's It, it really is. Like Even with the J. Dre Abrams and initial... Maybe not the best idea for stuff. Like it was still, right. it had plenty of promise, and there were still yeah. plenty of places that it could go where it would have been interesting and at least good. Oh sure. 
And single-handedly, Ryan Johnson destroyed the whole thing with uh, uh, green lights from everyone else involved. And it's just... And now there's no going back. And it's hilarious. And yes. screw all of them. So... Yeah. Grab themselves. Um, anyway, and then... So, anyway, I just wondered... I had to talk about some of that because I no, think it's yes. hilarious. <laughs> okay, so now we got to get into Movie Swap for this week. I watched... The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Ian watched um, Casablanca. So oh, Quite different Ian, movies. Yeah, very, very, <laughs> very different movies. And Ian, how about you uh, kick us off with the masterpiece that is Casablanca? Casablanca. City of hope and despair, located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Rano, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. You knew how much I loved you. How much I still love you. more about you than you suspect. I know, for instance, that you're in love with a woman. It's perhaps a strange circumstance that we both should love the same woman. What do you want for Sam? I don't buy and sell human beings. That's too bad. That's Casablanca's leading commodity. You can ask any price you want, but you must give me those letters. There's no deal. All right. I tried to reason with you. I tried everything. Now I want those letters. I mean, Masterpiece is the only way this film should be described. I mean, like, obviously any person with a pulse or knows anything about film knows this movie. Um, it's literally at the top of every greatest movie list. And, you know, like, some of them you always wonder if they're just, you know, kind of rose-tinted glasses, if it's, you know, the old critics being like, oh, this was a golden age of Hollywood, and, you know, kind of inflate their their importance and their really their true score as a film. And then you watch a movie like Casablanca, you're like, oh no, wow, everything is perfect. And there's no exaggeration when it comes to this movie about how good it is. Like it deserves every accolade it gets. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to find any flaws with it and I can't. Uh, I, I love everything about it. The freaking performances. Well, the, the characters are the best part, obviously. I mean, Humphrey Bogart as um, Rick is like the coolest guy ever. I mean, he runs like the the, the club, the Casablanca. Um, mm-hmm. or the, what's the name of the club? It's uh, it's called uh, Rick's. Rick's, yeah. It's like yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. 
I thought, I thought it was like Americana, or no, that's the other one I'm thinking of. No, um, but yeah, it's like his place. It's in Casablanca during a really interesting time period. It's because when's the movie set? It's set. It's, it's set, set in 1942. Like it's that's set right. at the same time. Yeah, which is so cool. It's like it's crazy because you know we've all seen a bunch of World War II movies, but this one actually like taking place during World War II is like it's such a cool perspective that like yeah you don't you, I mean you probably won't see other than this movie other than a, a few that came around the time period but it's like like to me it's like ballsy to actually have like Nazis in the movie portray them as bad it's like when they were freaking knocking on the door of like Britain at that time like that's that's crazy to think about you know but mm-hmm. um, but now it's, it's I mean so I mean he's awesome um freaking uh um Ilsa doesn't really show up until again, like probably 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. But once, once she does, it's like, like I was, I was describing to my sister cause she's actually never seen the movie, but you know, wow. of course she knows all about it. I know that makes no sense. I know. That makes even less her. sense than you. That's what I'm saying. Um, but you know, she, she, she loves the romance. She loves all the class of romance movies and stuff. And I was telling her like Nicholas Sparks wishes he could write, <laughs> Like his stories like this, because like if you actually think about, because like I, I, you know, I knew the movie, but I didn't really know the details about like their romance. Because like you know, basically, it's they they met in Paris before the Nazis invaded. Um, they fell in love, and then basically she left him as they're uh, escaping Paris. Like just kind of left him and you know let them a note saying like you know I'm sorry, but we can't be together. Like totally got ghosted like in the worst way possible, and obviously yeah. he's never gone over it. And then we find out um, she was married to uh, what was his name, Laszlo. Yeah, uh, Victor, Victor Laszlo. Laszlo. Yeah, who's like this um, Czechoslovakian like freedom fighter and revolutionary who was in the concentration camp, and she thought you know he was dead. So she meets Rick, falls in love. Well, then he of course escapes, and she finds out he's still alive. She was like, oh well, I can't freaking you know. I mean, she kind of does the only thing she can do, like you know, she can't forget her husband like oh sorry i've moved on <laughs> it's like you escape a concentration camp like the worst atrocity is and your wife has left you mm-hmm. um so like but, so, but this movie does such a great job of like you don't hate her and you you easily could have hated her character for you know like oh she moved on and and you know left him and she is awful and cold-hearted but then they also could have been really lazy and made victor laszlo like just like the douchebag, like, oh, well, we want her and Rick to be together. Mm-hmm. But the best part is, like, you're so torn. You're like, oh, my God, Victor Lazlo is actually a really good guy. Right. Um, like, I love the scene where, you know, they're in the they're in the club and the Nazis start singing their um, whatever German anthem they're singing. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And um, and freaking Victor Lazlo has all the occupants of the bar who are mostly French. They all start singing uh, La Marseille. Yeah, and it's like just like this singing competition between the two is is great, and then like you have a scene um, where Victor goes like to the underground meeting, and then they have to run because the Nazis infiltrate, and he takes like refuge in uh, Rick's bar or whatever, and him and Rick are talking while while freaking Ilsa's upstairs like begging for the the transport papers, and, and then like you just hear Victor talk, and it's like he really is a good guy. You're just like, oh crap! You're like, oh, I want you know, obviously you want her and uh rick to be together but you're like oh man but i can't i I feel for victor man like he's he's actually a good guy well the other thing about it is he knows that there's something with rick and elsa as well uh, and like is i don't know and maybe and like is fine with it yeah he's so mature about it like he's not like 
he's not like competitive or like jealous. Like he's so like classy about it. Right. He's like, I know you two obviously were in love and, and still are in love. And he's like, like, he doesn't go like, yo, I don't want you to be around Ilsa. It's like, like even at one point he's like, you know, if I can't make it out of here, at least make sure Ilsa gets like, make sure like the two of you leave Casablanca. Cause the whole movie is, they're trying to um, go to, go back to America. Everybody's trying to mm-hmm. basically everybody comes to Casablanca to get uh, passage to America uh, to escape the war and everything. And basically the Nazis have shut down and, the the French uh, authorities and that's another great character. It's the freaking uh, oh he's great. Oh man, like he's so like he's complex. You don't know if he's good or bad. Like oh it's so good because it's basically like using his authority to grant passage papers and to like sleep with women and yeah. Well, I mean it's it's Claude Rains also playing Captain uh, Louis Renault. Yeah, and I mean, he's just fantastic. And and him is him and uh, Rick's relationship is is great, which which culminates is like in like the best ending ever might be any. I mean, obviously everybody knows the classic, you know, here's looking at you kid. Right. But then when you actually see it in context and you see just what Rick does, you're like, like he's like the greatest guy ever. Like, so, I mean, yeah, he, he lets freaking Ilsa and Victor escape. You using like, you know, the basically get out for get out of jail free card, you know, mm-hmm. that's getting the film. And then he freaking kills the Nazi leader. Who's like this awful, you know, guy, which is badass. <laughs> and then the, the French, uh, um, what's the same? Uh, Louis, uh, Louis covers for him. Yeah. And like, Oh no, you know, the, the captain's been shot round up the usual suspects. <laughs> and then like, well, I guess now you and I have to get out of Casablanca. Then you have that great line of, uh, he's like, you know, Louis, my friend, I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. And, yep. um, actually I never even knew that, mo- that, that quote came from this movie. Cause, cause I knew about, you know, he was looking at you, kid, but I, I didn't know that um, quote actually came from this movie, too. Mm-hmm. So you have two iconic quotes within, like, five minutes of each other. And uh, now, I mean, I'm just gu- I'm gushing over this film. It's, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's awesome. Like I said, I, I watched this a few years ago when I started going through Top 100 American Movies list, which I have stalled out on for, like, the past <laughs> eight months. Well, I haven't brought myself to, re- hard, yeah. to rewatch Chinatown. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, but so that's how I finally watched this movie for the first time. And it was totally different from everything I expected. Cause yeah. I, you know, it literally goes Citizen Kane, The Godfather and Casablanca. And you yep. watch Citizen Kane, which to me is an overrated movie that I don't really enjoy, but respect. And then you watch The Godfather, which is just masterpiece, but it's right. big, huge, feels like Epic, a big yeah. auteur cinema type thing in an actual Hollywood movie as well. Yeah. And then so for Casablanca you're thinking, okay, we're gonna go back to Three this type of long. thing. And then it's like an hour and four like fifty minutes or an hour and forty minutes. Yeah. And flies through it's it's a Holly it's like a popcorn movie. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like your typical Oscar because like you hear about it, you're like, Oh, this is a romance movie set in World War Two. It's like you kind of think of like the English patient. Like that and really the English patient was trying to be Casablanca. Um, and that's why it sucked because it's literally the worst parts of <laughs> Casablanca is this, you know, ultimate story of love set in during a time of war, but it's just bloated. And it, and it, this movie is like, is it, it like, it's not trying to be grand or smart or epic. It, it just does it on its own and it just focuses on the characters and making you really empathize and like them. And, uh, it's, but yeah, it's, it's so accessible to like any type of audience. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. 
Um, this movie has a 4.3 rating on Letterboxd. It has an 8.5 on IMDb and a 98% um, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and 95% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty much universally loved as an awesome movie and very. It's a hundred percent on Metascore. Yeah, very much uh, well deserved. Oh my for, god, man. If, for all if, of that. If anyone even tries to say this movie is overrated, <laughs> you should just kill yourself. <laughs> All right, so that is what Ian watched. I watched a very similar movie, um, the David oh, yeah. Fincher, <laughs> The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Lighthearted, you know, romantic. Yeah, story. yeah. Lighthearted romance movie. Um, boy, I don't even know where to start with this movie. Um, I know, because I mean, you're not familiar with. I'm assuming you're not familiar with the books, or no. okay, yeah. See, I I knew about the books. I read some of them. They're great, at least the first three. So there's a trilogy made by uh, Spiegel Larson, who did a uh, girl, uh, girl jacket tattoo, girl who kicked the hornet's nest, and girl who plays with fire. Um, they're all about the, the character Elizabeth Salander, and um, this movie is directly based on the first uh, part of that trilogy. And then his son wrote the later books, but they're not as good. Okay. Um, yeah, this is this is just a weird movie. It's awesome. From start to finish. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, honestly, I, I, I honestly don't even know where to start with, with the movie. Um, I mean, it's, it's classic Fincher. Like yeah. every every second of the movie, you you never forget that you're watching a David Fincher movie. Everything from just the pacing to the color palette, like everything yeah. about it, just feels like David Fincher. Um, the score, the score is great. The cast is great. Um, so it's basically, and again, I don't know how to pronounce any of the names of any of these characters, but sure. what is is it, Mikkel? Yeah, Mikhail. Okay, so Mikhail um, Blomstavich, there's something, is uh, Daniel journalist. Craig's character. Yeah. And he's the main guy. He's a journalist who has just gotten sued for libel and has uh, lost the, the suit. So he's kind basically yeah, he's, he's wiped out financially. He's been disgraced professionally and really has nothing going for him at this point. So he ends up getting hired by this uh, weird old guy who lives on an island with just his own family. Billionaire um, tycoon. Yeah, Henrik Vog- uh, Wagner, uh, Wagner, who's yeah. played by Christopher Plummer, who's just awesome. And Brain everything. And what he wants to hire him for is to figure out who killed or what happened to his niece like 40 years prior or yeah. however many years prior it was um and that's really it that's the plot of the movie pretty which, much which is i did not expect that to be the plot of this movie very simple yeah. and then there's this other character um elizabeth so is it salander salander yeah 
who is just randomly shown in the movie for a while, and you're kind of like, all right, why? I mean, I get how like that she's the title character, but why is why are we showing her? And then right. she ends up being brought in with Mikkel because she's the one who did the research on him for Wagner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. That was a little confusing. So yeah. Wagner, uh, well, his associate, who's the bad guy from, uh, what eighties movie was it? Um, um, you know, the, you know, the guy with like the big old wart in the middle of his head. I forget. Was it the first lethal weapon? Maybe. Back in it might have been. I don't anyway, remember now. It's a classic. Uh, anyway, but he's the one who goes to like the firm that um, Elizabeth kind of works out of. But again, she mostly works for from home because mm-hmm. she's very unique and strange, um, right. and uh, yeah, puts people off. So yeah, they they kind of they go through the firm to find you know who would be the best about investigating you know the Harriet disappearance, and um, she investigates Mikhail and kind of learns everything about him. Learns that he was actually right about like all of his writings about the billionaire being corrupt and stuff and she knows like everything about him like completely invaded his privacy mm-hmm. but then yeah so then like you don't really know how she factors in until uh i forget like he finds out that she investigated him right Right. yeah that he goes to her uh in her apartment which i love that scene mm-hmm. uh, where it's like right after she hooks up that one chick at the club who's mm-hmm. electra from uh, daredevil um, oh really oh yeah it is i never even thought about that yeah yeah you're right and uh, it, it's just a great scene of like you know where he's like he's like yeah you looked into my whole personal history and she's all like standoffish because uh, obviously she, early in the movie she has some pretty bad traumatic uh, incidents with a man, um, her her like her department her caseworker basically yeah um, um, does some pretty awful things to her but then she gets him back uh, and uh, yeah so she's obviously kind of like scared of Daniel Craig not showing sure her what he's gonna do. And I just love the scene where he's like, he comes out like blatantly with what he wants. He's like, I want you to help me catch a killer of women. Like you just kind of see her eyes light up and like, you just see her whole motivation like right there. Like, yeah, I want to help with whatever you're doing. And then they end up working together. And it's a pretty funny relationship. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an odd relationship. Um, I think chemistry though. Yeah. 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 I, I agree for sure. It's definitely an interesting performance by Rooney Mara. Um, who I'm not super familiar with, only seen her a handful of things, but she's she's great with whatever this character, with with just this total, uh, just complete outcast character, mm-hmm. whose whole sole purpose in life is to continue to be an outcast, pretty much. Not a champ, but and, still vulnerable. That's why I right. Love. Yeah, with 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 this level of vulnerability and realism, like underneath the surface of everything, um, so all that's done just phenomenally well. Uh, it has um, Stellan Skarsgård, who as soon as yeah. I saw him in here, I'm like, oh, he's the bad guy, and <laughs> yeah, and sure enough, spoilers, he is the bad guy, and a pretty bad one at that, <laughs> right? But it's just funny. As soon as I see him in any movie, I'm just like, oh, he's the bad guy. Well, it's like any any murder mystery, like either TV show or movie. As soon as there's an actor who's like everyone knows, but he's in a smaller part, they're like, "Oh no, he's just a dentist." It's like, okay, well, you don't get <laughs> you don't get this actor to just play like one interview. Like, no, come on. So. Yeah, well, also it's just because scars guards are only capable of playing the worst of bad guys. Usually, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, Thor's like the only movie I, I've seen him in where he wasn't the bad guy. Oh yeah, good point. Which was uh, which is pretty funny. But uh, so obviously he's great, and it you know it's just it's just a straight up mystery story, which again I did not expect from this movie at all because I didn't know anything about this movie except just I remember it like coming out and I might have seen a trailer maybe, right? But it was mostly just like images or something that I've seen from uh, from that. So I I didn't really know anything about it. So that was interesting. It's it's very one thing that's that's cool. Like I'm not the biggest David Fincher fan. Um, I love Seven. To me, that's still sure, the sure. peak David Fincher. Um, okay. And and I like a lot of. I I mean I like a lot of his movies, but he yeah. is so good at this movie in making this movie realistic. Yeah. Even though it's not a very realistic movie. No. He somehow is able to make it's all these little moments feel incredibly real from the product placement in this movie yeah it's the best i've ever seen yeah there's a lot of it but it's not hit you over the head but it's all the way the real world is like i hate movies that have no products in it because it's like okay that's not the way that's not the way it is and then usually when there are products it's product placement and you know this big thing but in this it's just everything is just there like it would be in real life it's and great. I think that's phenomenal. That, that, there, there, that... There's so many great YouTube videos that I'm going to link you to that like break down how like all the little details of the, in this movie are, are great. Because the controversy with this, I, I kind of talked about briefly on our last episode. There was a version that came out before this um, that was done by actual Swedish director. Right. And it had um, uh, Numi Rapace. And that was like her big breakout role was playing Elizabeth Sounder. Same character, same movie. Uh, but they did originally, and um, like the guy who played Mikhail was the bad guy in uh, Ghost Protocol. Um, okay, the actor who just passed away a couple years ago. Um, and that version was fine, but one, it's not. It's way different from the book. Like this version, like this is so close to the book. It's it's crazy. Like it, I mean, it's exactly what you want an adaptation to be. Um, mm-hmm. and in the original version with the, the Swedish one, like it, it it differs a lot. So like you can't even say that it's more heartfelt or original to the story it's not and the acting is nowhere near as good i mean numi rapace is a good actress but rudy mara is way better as lizbeth mm-hmm. um like numi rapace like just kind of has like a, a chip on her shoulder the whole time like when you see the character Elizabeth, you kind of think oh punk rocker doesn't care what people think um and like numi rapace has that kind of attitude the whole movie whereas Rooney Mara is like so much. She kind of has like that frightened animal look to her. Yeah, a lot of times. But frightened animals are often very dangerous, as right. we know. So it's it's perfect with her character. Uh, I, I love the part at the end where uh, you know it's right after freaking Daniel Craig is in the basement chained up. You know, is about to be killed. Which I mean, the part where he starts playing um, uh, was it Enya? Um, <laughs> Something like that. It's it's so good. Like it's so just out of left field. Like. It just makes it even creepier. But like uh, Elizabeth comes and saves him, and uh, like she like breaks his jaw, um, stone scars yeah. over like a golf club. <laughs> the golf and, like, club. He, yeah, he gets away. I just love the scene where she's like, "May I?" She's like, "May I kill him now?" And he just goes, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that's great. Um, but the other thing is just the way people react to things. Yeah, is so well done. Like, oh, man, I gotta show you that video. Like he, even he hit the nail on the head. Like even from. Obviously, like one of the parts where I that that really hit was the scene when the mutilated mutilated 
like cat. cat. Is, yeah. I don't think like every like the way sad. <laughs> Daniel Craig reacts to that. Yeah. Is like the best I've seen in a movie. So somehow yeah, so... it's usually played up in one way or another and he just freaks out and like yeah. starts to get sick from seeing this thing. Like any normal person who saw something like this would be. And then uh Elizabeth is just like all right, let's uh, document this. And it's like, yeah. just starts taking pictures of it. Cause you know, she's seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. Especially what she's been through in this movie is like, right. yeah. Seeing a dead cat, even a mutilated one to her is nothing. But yeah, you're yeah. totally right. It's like, he, he just freaks out like anybody would be, Like there's no like musical sting, like dumb jump scare sound effect. It's just like him, like, Oh crap. Like as soon as mm-hmm. he looks down and you're right, it's, it's so perfect. Yeah, and I mean, even from the use of a lot of freaking sexuality in this movie. Oh yeah. I mean, geez, this might have. I was gonna, more I was gonna than... warn you not to, not to watch this in the family room with everyone nearby. Like, yeah, this might be the most variation on sexuality in a movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's not for the, the faint-hearted. I mean, geez, there is a yeah, there's a lot Graphic from stuff. regular love scenes to full-on rape rape scenes to. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Um, Yes, torture stuff too. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, but but even that, the way all that was done still seemed, still seemed realistic compared to the way a lot of that's handled in a lot of movies. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't gratuitous. It was like it's shocking, but it's it's done in a way where it's supposed to be shocking. Like it's not, they don't linger on it for any like longer than they have to. Like I mean. When you're dealing with source material like like a brutal rape scene, like what happens, mm-hmm. it's it's portrayed just as graphic and awful as like as it would be. There's no weird editing or right. style to it. It's just like boom, here it is. Yep, yep. And then of course she gets one over on the guy. Oh boy. With, uh, yeah, that that whole development, which is even it, which is funny because even she's like, yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah. But like she almost went, she did all this in order for something to happen. She, yeah, she didn't think it would go to like being held captive, right? Brutal. And the crazy part is the actor who who did that, the the guy who plays the the rapist. Apparently, after they did that scene, he was like just traumatized and literally didn't come out of his like trailer for like three days. Like Jeez. he felt so bad about it. Jeez, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, yeah, I could, I could get it. See that. Um. So all the, you know, but but that's the biggest thing for this movie that that was that jumped out for me was just the amount of real realism so many things so many things were done in this surreal over the top movie so it feels like seven at times yeah definitely yeah yeah it does um i love the tension build up is done really well with several scenes it, obviously biggest one being at the end with Skarsgård and them kind of oh, putting yeah. everything together with that, and then obviously just the mystery aspect is fun from from beginning Great. to end. Is it always keeps you intrigued, and as it just unfolds with them finding more evidence and more pictures and putting more stuff together with characters. I mean, there's not too many movies where you can see a person in a library for like an hour straight and it be yeah. interesting. And yeah, it's just somehow, great editing and filmmaking. Yeah, but there, but he's able to make. The very mundane seem interesting. I mean, that's how he made a whole movie about Facebook interesting. Yep. I mean, yeah, David Fincher is able to do Fincher. it. He's he's, he's able favorite, to do it. That's for sure. This is my favorite movie of his. Um, 
So yeah, and then I then I like the ending too. The ending was very real and very yeah. well done as well. With with, uh, with yeah 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 a little little sad. You feel a little for uh, Elizabeth, but it still makes sense. And it's fitting, yeah. The way everything that, the way everything works with him with him him continuing to go off with uh, Princess Bride Girl, right. yeah. And um, uh, which that throws me off whenever I see Robin Wright in a movie. I'm just like, I know. Oh, right? Oh, you're in another movie? Okay. <laughs> Buttercup, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but but all no, that was done the, well the, too. The biggest disappointment is I will never get a sequel to the rest of the books with this, this cast. And, and David Fincher wanted to, but unfortunately, he just didn't make the money. Although it, it did fine. Like, it didn't flop. But, you know, Sony is like, if it doesn't make a billion dollars, they don't care. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, which is, you know. Sucks. It, it is the other two books are great. And, like, the story gets even crazier and, and, and but still good and it's like oh he would have killed it it would have been great yeah this movie uh, had a 90 million dollar budget and it made only 102 million dollars so yeah. i mean i guess that or no never mind that was just usa it made no 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 it did yeah. fine yeah you're right it made 232 yeah. million dollars yeah but it's like again like they don't again they don't they don't go for like the mid-level budget and they like they want the, the 200 dollar million movie that's going to make two billion like they don't right. care about although joker that's the best part about joker just proved them wrong Yep. Like the most profitable comic book movie of all time. Um, so this movie has a three point eight on Letterboxd, has a seven point eight on IMDb, an eighty six percent um both critics and audience score Thanks. on uh Rotten Tomatoes. So universally loved pretty much. Yeah. Um uh you mentioned not having um other movies. There was another movie made. Oh and after I want this, I want yeah. you to talk about that. <laughs> the- the the one after this, yeah, the girl in the spider's web. Oh god, the one that yeah, that's based on one of the books that the the son of Stig Larsson made, which they're nowhere near as good. It's kind of like Tolkien. Once Tolkien died, this one of his sons tried to keep writing, and it's just it's not as good. And yeah, so they they re um they recast Elizabeth instead of Rooney Mara as Claire Foy, and Claire Foy is a good actress. If you watch The Crown, she's fantastic, but. She is not Lisbeth Sounder. Uh, it's directed by the guy I think who did like "Don't Breathe" and the um, the uh, God, what is it called? Not Army of Darkness, the first one. Um, um, Evil Dead. He did the Evil Dead remake. Um, oh, okay. Uh, he's he's a good director, but like it just it was dumb. Like I only saw parts <laughs> of it on a plane. I just yeah. couldn't even stomach the whole thing. It, it's. That's it's nowhere fair. near as, as good as Fincher, and we don't we don't talk about that. All right. Well, uh, anyway, so that was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo that I watched for Movie Swap. Now, we're almost an hour into the show already and haven't even gotten to uh, Batman the Animated Series, so we need to move Sounds on to right. that. So, yeah. yeah, I know. We're always way too long. So, yeah, I mean, way too long. Jeez. <laughs> I can't believe we've been talking this long. Too much stuff going on. Good uh, movies. Ian, Ian gushed on Casablanca for, like, 15 minutes so that that was that was the difference so blame ian anyway time to move on to the next movie swab and uh ian i again i've got it i'm still at like 53 movies on my list that uh of movies that i'm gonna get you to watch i've got a good list but for this one we're gonna go in the opposite direction we i went all the way back to an early movie because there's too many of them you haven't seen but we'll we'll come back to some of those i want to go to a more recent movie that I cannot believe you haven't seen, to be perfectly honest at this point. And this is a movie from 2010. It is a David O. Russell movie. 
called The Fighter. Oh, okay. This mm. is a phenomenal movie with the best acting by Christian Bale, I think, ever. Ooh. And this is the Bale. movie he won the That's Academy true. Award for. Yeah, and yeah. it is so well earned. Like, I can't even begin to describe this. Like, he's not even the main character, and it almost doesn't even matter. Right. And I love Mark Wahlberg, and he's great oh, yeah. in this movie. But nobody, it, you, you you forget, Amy Adams in this movie, and I always forget she's even in it. Like, half the characters, you just, it, and it's not that no, any of them are bad. Just, right, right. he's just he so good it. in this movie. That it it's worth seeing just for him alone, but I really enjoy the movie, okay. and you know, it, for for a genre that have so many movies, there's so many boxing movies. This one fits right in with the with the best of them, and I really really enjoy it. So that's, oh, what you're that's good. Yeah, it's a movie I've I've wanted to see for a long time. Um, so cool. Yeah, I'm glad. Yep. All right. Well, my movie is simpler. Uh, I figured with um, Ford versus Ferrari coming out. Oh, I yeah. would take a movie. That... Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Of course, that's another reason yeah. why you should watch uh, the fighter. Yeah, yeah. So it's perfect um, because the movie I'm going to pick for you is a movie from 2013, which I'm surprised you haven't seen, called Rush. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Real life, real life story about the the rivalry between Nicky Lauda and who's the other guy? Um, Jim, famous driver. Let me see. Forget his name. It was uh, James Hunt. Yep. Their uh their rivalry back in the seventies, I believe, uh, between his two uh, race car drivers, and directed by Ron Howard, mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth is James Hunt, uh, Daniel Brühl, who was Zemo from Civil War, is uh, Nicky Lauda, and he's great. Um, he's even better than Hemsworth, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a really great movie, uh, really fun. Even though it's like a biopic, it's not you know mopey and and over the top like bloated it's it's really um really just down to the bones like just good movie uh i enjoyed a lot it was actually my favorite from that year and that was a pretty awful year for movies uh 2013 so yeah i remember this movie coming out and having zero interest having not really a lot of interest in it and then i remember it getting terrible reviews at one point what I remember hearing not good things about it and then i just forgot about it and i never ended up going to see it but then but then after I heard a whole bunch of good things about it, and I've heard a, you know a ton of great stuff about this movie, so I've been it's one I've been meaning to watch. I just hadn't gone back and watched yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about those bad reviews, you know, because it's a good movie. You'll I think you'll like it. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Ron Howard as well. So that was great. So that uh awesome. Okay, so for the next movie swap, I'm gonna watch Rush, and Ian is going to watch The Fighter. Okay, now let's move on to the actual show. After 52 minutes of talking about other things not Batman related, we got to get into Batman the Animated Series because that's what we watched. The first four episodes of Batman the Animated Series, which were on Leather Wings, Christmas with the Joker, Nothing to Fear, and The Last Laugh. Now, there's a lot of different things as to the order of Batman the Animated Series, yes. and I'm not really sure what the right one is i'm assuming that the one that is on well, we're watching the one that's on the dvds and the blu-rays yeah. and i believe that those are the production dates of when so the movies were made in order yeah. but the way they were aired is very 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 different yeah so just bear with us for that we're going based on the way the dvds and the blu-rays 
the order that that has, which is, I think, the production order, not the air date order like it has on IMDb. Yeah. So a little different because the first episode that aired was The Cat in the Claw Part 1. The second one didn't air for like a month later. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Is, which is terrible. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember like even when they re-ran it, it was still a nightmare to keep track. Yeah, um, On Leather Wings, though, was the second episode that was aired. So also the first episode that was actually made. So um, I guess I guess we could start talking about just kind of the animated series. It started kind of coming to fruition in the basically when the Tim Burton Batman movie came out. That yeah. that just revolutionized everything. Oh, yeah. Totally put superheroes to the forefront for the first time really ever. But Batman I guess since to the Superman. Yeah. It was the first time Batman was put to the forefront since the sixties. And obviously a totally different take on Batman than that. Yeah. And so because of that, studios, you know, Warner Brothers wanted to capitalize on it, of course. And so they thought they'd make a superhero cartoon. And they took very successful um, kind of showrunner for Tiny Toons in Bruce Tim, mm-hmm. and kind of brought him and Eric Radomski on to, I think, really start creating the show. And then they ended up bringing Paul Dini on to start writing it because he'd written stuff for Tiny Toons as well. And so it was kind of, those were the three, I think, the kind of first people and kind of the main people in the like at the beginning of the show was Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, and Eric Radomski. Radomski is like the production designer um, for the show. And started in September 1992. And it's very confusing with how this thing aired. Yeah. Because there's like four volumes as far as the the DVDs go, but the seasons wise, it was only like three, yeah, or something. See, like seasons is it's weird. It's very confusing. Yeah. The initial run was like sixty five episodes, and then they added like twenty more, and then they did um the revitalized one in nineteen ninety eight with the different design and actually under a different title, even though most people group that together. If you look on IMDb, it is not grouped with the new adventures of Batman. So it's all very confusing, but the way we look at it now is it's Batman animated series. The ones from 1992 through 94 and then 98 are all grouped together as part of the same show. Anyway, so to get that out of the way, um, (laughs) Very different cartoon, revolutionized everything basically in cartoons, was dark, was gritty, had a film yep. noir aspect, and yep. mature. Um, yeah, it had very mature content for a cartoon. Um, I mean, there was gun use rampantly used, um, a lot more violence than in most cartoons, and you kind of had a weird thing where it was initially put out on Fox, the network, at night on like Sunday nights or something. Yeah. And that didn't really garner too many ratings. So then they moved it to Fox kids when that started (laughs) on, and then it ran on there until the W until the uh, WB had their own network. Then it ran on there. Like it had a lot of weird stuff, but ultimately this is pretty much praised as the definitive Batman. Yeah. And I think me and Ian are pretty much in agreement with that. I mean, this, this show is a masterpiece. Obviously, I, I grew up in the right time, and this was really my first introduction to Batman, and you you couldn't ask for any better introduction, because, yeah, when I think definitive, 
Batman, how he sounds, how the Joker sounds, how most of the characters look, how Gotham looks. I uh, all the vision, like all the visuals, immediately jumped into the show. I mean, it's I, like I literally don't even know where to begin about praising this show, about just how it gets. But literally, the only thing I've ever thought that this show got wrong, which I'm sure we'll get to when we talk about the episode, is like like BVS uh, when they show a flashback of Thomas and Martha being killed. Uh, Thomas actually fights like Joe Chill and like punches him a few times. And I've talked about before how that's wrong and that should happen. But like, I think that and there's like maybe one other other thing that this show maybe got wrong about Batman, which just goes to show you how freaking good it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, this is not my first Batman. As we talked about before, my first Batman was Adam West Batman, the, the 1966 movie. Um, and actually, I didn't watch much of this show at all growing up because it wasn't on reruns a ton. It was, yeah, it was a nightmare. It was so frustrating as a kid. So I, I know I saw some of it. I was very familiar with the look of everything because I had all the toys course, from this from toys. the 1998 time period. I still have some of them. Oh, um, and like even you know going to Six Flags or whatever, they had all yeah. the, the 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 character designs from this show were everywhere at the Gotham City at Six Flags. Um, it was a mixture of the show and the Burton movie. Burton, yeah. Um, there, so I was aware of all that, but I, I hadn't seen much of the show. I'd seen some of it, but I mostly grew up, grew up watching Justice League and the Spider-Man animated series, which was aired a lot more in reruns than the Batman animated series was. So that was more what I watched. And I didn't fully get into this show until, I don't know, however many years ago, 10, 10 years ago or something when I went back and and started watching the whole show. And this is one of my biggest things were when I was, uh, started collecting DVDs and, and movies. Uh, this is one that was so hard to find. This was like in this weird stage before I like was able to buy things online. And so was still trying to find this. And I remember at one point Walmart did release like the first volume of, of DVDs, but I, Mm -hmm. you couldn't really find the others. And so I just kept going back to these like, same you know used video stores and stuff just hoping it would it would come in and i remember it would come in in like pieces so i ended up getting like the fourth volume next and then was able to get like the second and third volume um at at other times and you know i was trying to find you know the stuff to stream online just all the way to watch you know to watch the show and now i've seen it a whole bunch of times and (laughs) have the blu-rays of it so it's all good yep um but uh, yeah, I've watched the series all the way through at least three, at least probably three or four times, Same. and have seen several episodes way more than that. Oh yeah. But um, it's just it's just fantastic. It's it's the best cartoon I think ever. I think it, other other is... than other than maybe like 1950s Looney Tunes. Oh. This is probably the greatest cartoon ever in my opinion, and it just definitely and just my favorite. Yeah, this is like the perfect example. I don't know if you've heard lately, like about Star Wars, like people like Freddie Prince Jr. and like Ryan Johnson have used the argument that, oh, well, all the people who are nitpicking like The Last Jedi and stuff are just, they're missing the point because Star Wars is just meant for kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, to me, it's like, it's just an ultimate lazy argument that like, if something doesn't make sense or the writing isn't up to par, you can just say, oh, it's meant for kids. Is it right? Like being like, Tailor made for kids is supposed to like allow like laziness. Whereas like you look at this show and it's obviously meant for kids, but 
again, it's mature. It's it has like these darker themes and everything like that, and it holds up. It's like you can rewatch plenty of stuff as a kid, you know, whether it be like Power Rangers or yeah, you know, other stuff. And, you know, you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh, what hey, is hey, this? hey, don't be knocking I, on I, Power Rangers. I know, I know. Both be honest. There's it's some like, good seasons in there. There, there are, but it, it doesn't. But this show holds up unlike any other that's, kid show I've ever true, seen yeah. before. Because yeah, yeah this is true. a prime example of it can be tailor made for kids, but still great quality where everyone can appreciate it. You can even watch Justice League or Batman oh, yeah. Beyond or other shows that were also good and with a lot of these same people, and it's still not even close. No, to to the quality of the show. The only show, in my opinion, that's close is the Spider Man animated series. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a good one. And I know a lot of people like the X Men series. X Men's great. I didn't watch a lot of that. I watched I some of it, but I did not watch that all the way through, so I can't really be a judge of how big how how good that show is oh it was very good but i, I still put this and spider-man above but yeah th- those are the two for me it's just definitive cartoon superhero things are uh, the, the 90s yeah the 90s were the golden age for superhero cartoons it's so oh, good without question so yeah. uh that's just a little bit with the show and now we're going to talk about the first four episodes it's going to be on leather wings christmas with the joker nothing to fear and the last laugh. So let's let's kick it off with On Leather Wings. Uh, the first episode made, and the second episode aired. It aired on the nineteenth uh, of September, nineteen ninety-two. And this is where Batman basically is hunting down Man Bat, yeah. which is just such a weird thing to do for the first made episode. Like, it's yeah, really, just such a weird really... choice. Being like, let's use Man Bat. Yeah, if you really look at it, like, nothing to fear really should have been the first episode. Because you get a little bit of, like, you know, the Batman backstory, if you didn't know it already. With the, yeah. You know, his father and stuff. Like, and thematically, it just would work better as the first I agree. episode. Especially with that, that great iconic quote, which we'll get to. But, sure. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, this, like, it doesn't feel like the pilot or the first episode of a of a brand new series. It feels like it just jumps right in. Yeah, it's very strange. But it's good, though. But, uh, yeah, a great episode. Uh, uh, Man Bat is so underrated. I would love to see Man Bat in a movie. Like, I think he just looks so cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, not as big not, a fan. Not as, the, not as the only villain. He there would have to be more. It couldn't just be Man Bat, but like, I would just love to see him like done really well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could see that. That could be interesting. Um, but it's it's basically kind of a Jekyll and Hyde story with oh, yeah. with uh, Kurt Langstrom who becomes Man Bat. And it's this is just a straight up detective story, which is yep. the best part about it. I mean, this oh, you, is you see Batman, Batman collect evidence is awesome. Yes, it's Batman going to the crime scenes, finding evidence, analyzing it, cross referencing it, then going to experts to try and figure out what this is. As Bruce Wayne, yeah, using the Bruce Wayne thing, which we talked about last week yep. uh, or two weeks ago now, because we're behind. Uh, two weeks ago with the '66 show when he does that with Penguin. Um, so we get to see that right off the bat. Um, and, uh, yeah, all all that stuff. Um, some interesting things though, is the first voice you hear in the Batman animated series is Kevin Conroy, but it is not as Batman or Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It says the blimp pilot. Yeah. One of the blimp guys (laughs) who has the first line of the entire series, which is pretty funny and pretty fitting that, uh, that Kevin Conroy does. And also another weird thing is the first uh, three or four. Hang on, let me see. 
Yeah, the first three episodes, it's a different voice of Alfred. It is oh, yeah. uh, Clive Reville as Alfred in the first three episodes, and then in The Last Laugh, it was recast as Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., who ends up being it for the rest of the series. Yeah, I noticed that when I watched The Last Laugh. I'm like, wait, this is this is what I remember Alfred being. Yeah, which is weird hearing this kind of deeper Alfred voice yeah. in the first uh, in the first three episodes. Yeah, which is uh, which is pretty interesting. But um, yeah, that that's what it is. It's just a detective story of him trying to figure out what this is. Um, obviously, there's a whole other subplot of the police going after Batman because they think that this man bad is Batman just going wild and attacking everything, and the yep. whole police force led by Harvey Bullock just hates Batman because he shows them up and is taking their basically spotlight. So there's a lot of animosity built up in there. But you have Commissioner Gordon who actually likes, you know, sees what he's doing and enjoys it. But there's not really a relationship there yet. Yeah, it's, it's still weird. early stages of all that stuff. And I feel like this is more what we're hopefully going to get with the next movie that comes out. Hopefully, with, yeah, it'd be cool. With this type of dynamic of Batman is Batman, but he's still maybe new to being Batman, hasn't really developed all the same relationships. Yeah. Like that that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And yeah, I think definitely this does for it really well. Movie. Yeah. Um the funny part is I'm pretty sure people die in this episode. Um mainly the SWAT guys. So like when Batman goes to um I forget what building it is, but like, you know, the SWAT team comes in he grabs the one guy who's in the room with the one SWAT guy, and then the other guys are in the hallway, and they, they throw a tear gas grenade, but it, it but it lands next to all the gasoline, of course. Uh, and Batman, you know, jumps out with the SWAT guy, but dude, that whole floor explodes, so I'm pretty yeah. sure the guys in the hallway are dead. Yeah, that's a fair point. I never thought about that. Um... Yeah, like, I just noticed every watching, like, this show doesn't, you know, goes out of its way to show, you know, that people survive even when they get thrown right. from trains or whatever but dude how big that explosion is <laughs> uh, i think realistically yeah that's that's a whole swat team gone right there <laughs> that's uh captain brendan probably gone well interesting well fair yeah. enough um yeah so that's i don't know i don't know that's really all i have about about this episode I'm trying yeah. to we, weird question did you ever see the the anime movie the swan princess no, but I saw the commercial for it all the time because it was on the preview of one of the other v- VHSs that we had. I don't remember which one. So I saw the preview of it a bunch, but I never saw the movie. Uh, it, was, it was a good anime movie, but it's weird because like, the bad guy turns into basically Man-Bat. Um, mm. He turns into this giant bat that looks a lot like the design for the Man-Bat in this show. It always stuck out with me. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so that is On Leather Wings. So now moving on to the second episode, Christmas with the Joker. Such a strange episode to be the second episode, which is why it didn't air till all the way in November. Yeah, you think they would have timed it better where, like, nothing to fear should come out in, like, Halloween, and then this uh, Christmas with the Joker should come out around Christmas. It's like, what are you doing? Well, I mean, November, it came out November 13th, and I guess, I think, isn't that, because don't most shows go on, like, hiatus or whatever, in the sure. month of December, yeah, and, and or like, something. and movies get released in November because that, that way, right. you know, they're not, you know, in theaters for one week and then they're uh, irrelevant because it's after Christmas. So, yeah. yeah, it could be kind of like that. So, but man, I like I've seen this episode a bunch. This is one thing that I watch during Christmas time, all you know, oh, yeah, you know every gotta. year as well. I rewatching this, this movie, or not this movie, this 
this is the weirdest Batman Batman animated series episode of all time. I I'm fully convinced this is the weirdest one of all time. Also, hold on. Actually, I forgot. I forgot I had made notes on some of these, so let me go oh. back to the other episode real quick. Oh. Um just just a little thing that I noticed. Um Batman basically invented Siri. Yeah. <laughs> because every time with the bad computer, he just says computer and then asks questions. Yep. And also, it's just fun. Every time I hear that, I can't not think of the Lego Batman movie. Oh, with, yeah. <laughs> with Batman just saying, pewter, all, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So he does it all the time in this first episode. <laughs> Computer, right, yeah. tell me this. And I couldn't stop laughing just every time it happened because <laughs> of Lego uh-huh. Batman. Anyway, no, but with Christmas of the Joker, I wrote a bunch of stuff down about this. So oh. the, the gist of this is Christmas Eve, jo- Joker has escaped from Arkham, and he, he basically hijacks the broadcast service, puts out a Christmas spe- a special on TV, <laughs> And Batman and Robin have until midnight to find him uh, because the Joker is also uh, kidnapped. Uh, Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Bullock, and a girl. I don't know who she is. Yeah, I remember I remember thinking she was Vicky Vale. But then in, in the next episode, I forget her, her name was like Scott something. Um, but she's yeah. basically Vicky Vale, but she's not. I like, mean, is, yeah. she, is she the Summer Gleason character? Yeah, Summer Gleason. That's who she is. Okay, because um, they never say who she is in the they, whole they episode. Do, yeah, not in this episode. They do in Nothing to Fear, which is right. like... I mean, Summer Gleason's in a bunch of episodes, but, yeah, yeah. but just in this episode, they never say, and it's always weird. So anyway... Which, is, which is, oh, probably like goes to show you they probably didn't write this episode as the second one. Like. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is very strange. But okay, yeah. I got to talk about this episode, because this is the weirdest episode of the whole series. I, I am convinced. So I just wrote down a bunch of stuff here. Oh. So Joker first in the first scene escapes with a rocket powered Christmas tree. Yeah, even for a cartoon, that's kind of like what? I don't know what is going on with that. I don't know how the propulsion of that works, how it doesn't flip over and it just crashes through in. a glass ceiling as well. Yeah. So, okay, so he's escaped in a weird way. He hijacks all the TV channels. He puts sure. on a Christmas special. With camera movements, graphics made, an intro shot, a laugh track playing on command, and a whole custom Joker set. How? Who's, with nobody like running person. the cameras. There's yeah, nobody I mean, else I, there. He's got, well, he's got the snipers, but it's only like he's got the snipers and the guys who blow up the bridge. But even then, but they're not running kind of, the camera. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how this camera's moving. Um. It's a very high-end high production. There's cameras showing Batman and Robin stop the train, which is one yeah. of the things they have to do. I don't know where that camera is set up. He also... Then they go to the Gotham Observatory, which is where they think the signal is coming from. There's a telescope there that is a cannon yeah, shooting that's, fireballs that's across the whole do. city. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, then later they actually find where he is and he has giant toy soldiers that are like a hundred feet high and yeah. they're like i guess have like ai intelligence to specifically yeah, go after batman and robin but they're also super easily destroyed by just touching their heads <laughs> he also has homing toy jets with razor sharp wings that go after batman and robin specifically Batman hits him with a baseball bat, and Robin makes a joke about him being Batman, which is yeah. awesome. That's pretty good. 
they stop two gunmen by dropping a teddy bear on them. Yeah. And Joker does all of this to hit Batman with a pie in the face. Yeah, that part is great, though. This is the weirdest episode of all time. Yeah, I remember thinking that when I was a kid. I was like, this is, isn't quite up to the same, like, highbrow, like, sophistication as all the other episodes. Because, yeah, it's like, yeah, just like the teddy bear falling over and then, like, crushing the guys. Like, it's just little stuff like that. You're like, what? But then, on top of this, it's one of the darkest episodes. That is. With the moment when the train's going to crash and Summer says her yeah. mom's on the train, and he's just like, oh, well, that'd be even more exciting when it crashes. It's like, what is this episode? Yeah, and then she's, like, crying. It's like, good God. It's like, this is... I don't even know what to think of this episode. It's well, so bizarre. Well, it's also crazy, too, because, like, Robin just is in this episode, and he disappears from the other episodes. It's like, what? Yeah, Robin's, oh. like, barely in the first, like, season of the show, but he yeah, is so just that... in this episode randomly. But I... But I do like the beginning where you know they're about to sit down for for Christmas and he just wants Rob- to watch. It's a Wonderful Life. It's all Robin wants. But, but the best is what Bruce says. Bruce says like you know I've never seen it before. He's like I can never get past the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like then he's like okay we'll 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 watch it if you know we go out and there's nothing like crazy going on. I just love how they actually go out on patrol and they think like some guys about to mug a lady and but he, like he brings back her gift. Like okay I guess it's all is safe. Like I like how they actually take the step to actually go out and make sure everything's like okay it's like they gotta do that first it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the adam west batman something they would do yeah like, no, uh, for... and also just the comparative the comparedness to it's a wonderful life with robin trying to make with with uh bruce wayne is pretty is pretty sure. pretty cool oh yeah so, um, um but yeah the, the joker plot in this is very very intricate and i mean this would take years <laughs> Of planning, <laughs> if, if it's even possible. But yeah, but yeah the, the best part is the ending, where you know he's got the freaking the hostages over like a molten lava or whatever, and he's like, you know, you got to open your gift or they die. Mm-hmm. And Batman opens the gift; it's just a pie in the face, <laughs> which it's is like, yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's something Joker would do. He would he he would go through all this setup, this ridiculous. Like amount of time and money it took to like set all this up just to pie Batman in the face. Like to him, that'd be all worth it. Yep. Yeah. And so that is. And of uh, course, and of course, you know, after he tried to kill them, but still. Right. 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 But anyway, very weird episode, but but a great episode at the same time. Um. Okay. So moving on, we'll move to the next episode, which is um Ian's favorite episode of the whole series. One of mine. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. One one of Ian's favorite episodes. Nothing to fear. Which is Batman and Scarecrow, um, yep. with Scarecrow trying to ruin uh, Gotham University, which yep. which scorned him from doing too many fear experiments. Uh, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, but very rightfully so. Um, and this is another great episode of of this show. But I agree with you. This should have been the first episode. It oh, really yeah. feels like everything's kicking off with this one. Yeah, and it's just so it's just so well done. I mean, there, there's like it's crazy rewatching this and seeing how many homages there are in Batman Begins to this episode. Yeah, like it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, talking about uh, uh, what can be an underrated villain is is Scarecrow, and um, yeah, I mean he's great, and it's obviously obviously the fear toxin. Like you get a lot of really good stuff out of that, especially on Batman. That's why like. I feel like the fear toxin with Scarecrow and then Man Bat would be like a really good combination where, 
it's like man bat is basically you know a giant bat personified and like yeah. that could be like, <clears throat> yeah so that's a missed opportunity there but now this this episode is it's very straightforward you know it's freaking scarecrow robbing a bank in the first uh scene and then danny gets hit with the fear toxin but yeah really there, <laughs> there's one scene alone that really makes this episode like to me the one the best and mm-hmm. yeah, i don't know I don't know if you want to talk about it, or there's other stuff to talk about in this episode, really. Uh, I mean, it's just a well-done episode from start to finish. Just, you know, introducing the, the, the character of Scarecrow and and figuring out, you know, finding out the backstory and, and going through all that and seeing the fear toxin, what it does. I mean, that, that's really what it, that's really all it is, all that's going on. But then the whole subtext is Batman dealing with the effects of the fear toxin. Yeah, and where, I like it's not just like, you know, he's afraid of bats and that's what keeps, it's like, no, his fear is like his father coming back and telling him what a disappointment he is. Like, right. About like daddy issues. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's, that, that's the, that's the big kicker with this episode, which is just awesome. And then it of course leads to the best line of the whole series, which is still said to this day. Not now. You are a disgrace. No. No. You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. I mean, that is just awesome. If, if, they, if they repeat it in the new movie, I will... I will faint in my chair right there. <laughs> you know they gotta have, they gotta have it in this crisis. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, I feel like that's the only reason Conroy is in it. Like it's gotta happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm gonna be massively disappointed. Absolutely. I mean, like, cause like, and, and, and like to me, that's one of the big things that that solidifies every actor's portrayal as Batman and why Ben Affleck isn't good because he never says I'm Batman at any point in either yeah, film. That's a good point. Good point. We, we get it from everybody. We get it from freaking Michael Keaton. We get it from Val Kilmer and George Clooney. We get a great one from Christian Bale, but we never get one from Ben Affleck. So we have to have one from Robert Pattinson. I agree. I think that Please. is that must happen. I totally agree. Oh man, but yeah. Mark, what 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 line are we talking about here? Let's not beat around the bush. I didn't beat around the bush. I inserted I it when I edited the episode. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. I did just now, but you don't know okay. that because I haven't I done it. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but I did exactly. it after we finished recording, so <laughs> okay. everyone else already heard it. Yeah, everyone's like, "What?" what? <laughs> because it's not fair for us to say it. <laughs> I know. It's like, that was the thing. I'm like, neither of us can do it justice. It's so, it's so badass. I mean, it's, it is. It's perfect. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Ah. Whole thing's awesome. That's worth the whole episode alone. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. You know, he he tracks down the scarecrow, figures out who he is, and takes him down with his own fear toxin yeah this this is kind of like the, the what the episodes are are mostly like compared to um joker's christmas like this yeah this feels like the joke again joker's christmas is so christmas like, with the joker i let you get away with it once and you said it again sorry yeah fair enough um <laughs> yeah it's like you can definitely like you go from uh on leather wings to that to then to this and you're like wait something doesn't feel right yeah but it's a little is, weird this is a much more straightforward animated series episode yeah, this is definitely more along the lines of what the show normally is. Uh, so now, moving on to fourth episode we watched. This is The Last Laugh. 
Um, another one with the Joker, which is interesting too, which I forgot to mention with the Christmas with the Joker that originally used um, not Mark Hamill as the Joker when those when these uh, first few Joker episodes were made. It was Tim Curry who is the yeah. voice of the of the Joker, but then after like five, like four or five episodes with the Joker in them, so the show was pretty much done at this point. They didn't really like his Joker portrayal, and so they ended up auditioning people, auditioned Mark Hamill, who had had recorded for a character in uh, the Heart of Ice episode with Frank Boyle, and he read for the Joker, and the rest is history. Took over for that, and the definitive voice... Of the Joker from there on out. So for these episodes, he had to go back and basically match the 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 lines with his own dialogue, which is very interesting and not the way the show was done primarily. So that's pretty interesting. Now this episode, this is by far my least favorite Joker episode and one of my least favorite episodes in the whole series. Yeah, I remember like as I was watching this, I was like, I'm kind of bored. I did like, not it, like this episode at all. It's boring, it, it's it, dull, it, and it makes no sense. It goes on. Yeah, it goes on for a long time. Um, um it, it, you can tell it took them a while to figure out how to write the Joker. Yeah. In this show, which is no small feat. I mean, this oh, is no. a, a homicidal maniac they're having to make for a kids show. Yeah. And you can tell them they struggled early. Like, I love Christmas with the Joker, but it's, oh. as we said, it's a weird episode. This episode is weird and not very good. Yeah. The Joker's has, his plot is to drive all of Gotham insane with Joker gas from one, like, garbage boat yeah. in the bay. And for some reason, this one boat ha- can send vapors over miles of city. Which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, it, it freaking goes all the way to Wayne Manor. Yeah, it makes no sense. And um, every time I watch this episode, it's like, this episode is literally good for the one shot of the Joker sitting on the conveyor belt going through the like factory with the beams of light going over him. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's, that's what the whole... That's the best part of the whole episode, is just that one shot. And yeah. everything else is just kind of... Well, there is there is another good moment at the very end where um, the Joker almost falls into the smelting pit or whatever, and yeah. you know, Batman of course catches him. He's like, "You're not gonna let me fry to death, are you, Batman?" And Batman just has a smirk and lowers him. He's like, "Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is that is pretty good. That yeah, is pretty but, good. You no, know, yeah, the rest of it is like it just feel. I mean, it feels like your typical like stereotypical cliche Saturday morning cartoon type of plot. Yeah, where it's like yeah, the bat the the villain has this like giant, you know, device that should not work the way it is. I mean, it kind of feels like a little freaking Batman and Robin with a giant freeze gun or whatever. Yeah, it's like a little bit, and again, it's like it just doesn't quite fit with the how like, I mean, as realistic as possible the rest of the show feels and yeah. you know dark and stuff. But yeah, it's like I'm yeah as I was watching this, like this is really all it is. It's, like, the freaking... it's not good. There, there's no subplots. There's no anything else going on. It's just. That that's what it is, and then, and then the only subplot you have is like Alfred with the whole April Foolish joke at the end. But even that is like kind of weird. But I do like the ending. You know, it's like the funny part is like Alfred, like you know, he breaks the vase when he was like under the laughing gas. Breaks everything. Breaks everything, but he breaks like a, a, a Price's like mean vase, and uh, 
you know, Alfred's all upset about it. And Bruce's like, oh, it's no problem. I'll just pay you all your paycheck for the next couple of years. <laughs> it's like Alfred believes him. It's like, come on, <laughs> Alfred, you know better. And yeah, Bruce, Bruce says April Fool's. But yeah, you're right. It's like there's literally nothing to this episode. Like no Gordon, no nobody. Mm-mm. It's just like, yeah. And then you have like that giant robotic clown that really just, gives Batman a hard time. Yeah, this like super powered robot clown, which is yeah, just like Joker. Just keep making weird. those. Yeah, it's 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 weird. The other thing I really really hate about this music or this this is the music the music is so bad i can't remember the music so bad how can you not remember that weird drum beat music every time every time the garbage thing is going by it's just it is so horrible it is horrible there's no way that was made by shirley walker they had yeah. to have taken that from something else because it yeah. is the worst piece of music in the whole series, and it's the only time I ever noticed the music in the yeah. whole series. I mean, it is every time I hear it, it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, what is this? I wouldn't be surprised if it was like that was like one of the first scenes they recorded music wise was before they got to be. It's it got to be. be. Yeah. Cause it's terrible. It is yeah. terrible. And normally the music is great in these yeah. sh- in these episodes. Perfect. So that is. Anyway, I don't know. I, that's really all I got with that episode. It's just not that great. It's it's, it's fine. Not. You get to. Hear, I mean, any episode with with Mark Hamill doing the Joker is uh, is is instantly watchable. Yeah. But it's definitely not one that I rewatch a whole lot. And I've I've only watched this episode when I've gone through the entire series. Same here. Yeah, it's not one that you're gonna seek out. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a rewatchable one. Yeah, Although it is really funny, much. like watching this on Blu-ray on like on a big TV, it's like you can see like the pencil markings and like all the stuff. <laughs> like it's so cool. Yeah, just watching the Blu-rays, the HD stuff at all is just incredible and and so much fun to do. So uh, this episode aired. It was the fifteenth episode aired, I believe, on September twenty-second, nineteen ninety-two. So anyway, apparently this is kind of this is an episode that a lot of people like, what? but um, it's definitely not. It's definitely not one of there's, mine. There's so many better ones. I know. This feels like you know, like they wrote all the good ones, and like crap, we only have eighteen, maybe like twenty. Like okay, we'll just make another one. With the Joker spreads a bunch of laughing gas across the city. Like it feels like this is one they just had a right to get to whatever number of episodes they needed. Yeah, I'm reading this one review. On, of a person who says this is one of his favorite episodes, and he's saying about how memorable the score is as a big positive oh, with this, oh. and, and several things, just like, okay, all right, well, that's fine. Um, This is not one of my favorites, but again, it's fine. Again, even the worst Batman, sure? it, the worst Batman animated oh. series episode is still good. Still so. better than most of the recent Batman stuff, so it's like, again, like the worst animated series stuff is still better than some of the quote-unquote best stuff that people have to offer now. Right, so... You know, even even the worst animated series episodes are still ones that we like and enjoy and are still worth watching at least once. I I would rather watch this episode like five times in a row than watch BBS. Eh. No, I would. Eh. It would be quicker. It would even like five (laughs) times. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So those are the first four episodes of that. So the next four we'll get to in two weeks, hopefully, unless we get delayed again. Um. It'll be Pretty Poison, The Underdwellers, POV, and The Forgotten. Not great episodes. Yeah, so, none of them really stick out to me, but that's okay. They're very weird episodes. Um, I'm telling you, these first few episodes are so strange. I mean, they're so... Uh, from, from, 
from The Last Left to, you know, Christmas with Joker. Pretty Poison's pretty straightforward and good. The Underdwellers is very, very dark and weird. Yeah. POV is odd. Like, that seems one that would be way later done. Uh, and The Forgotten is weird. All these are very, very strange. In the first, in the first nine episodes leading up to Two-Face... Almost all of them are very odd and and don't feel like the rest of the show. And then it's like once Two Face hit, That's it true. seems like everything else kind of falls into place after that. And that and that happens with a lot of shows. A lot of shows like I mean the first couple even seasons like first season or two a lot of shows like aren't nearly as good and they really find their footing. Especially with a lot of sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Rec are both like that where the first two seasons aren't that good and then they really kind of find the style of humor that they're supposed to have. Yeah, and everything clicks. It's kind of like that with this, but again, none of the episodes are bad, bad. But yeah, you're you're definitely right. Where you can tell they're trying to find their identity. Yeah, so uh, we'll get to those in a couple of weeks. But coming up next week, we're going back to the Adam West Batman TV show, and we're gonna watch the next four episodes of that. So it's gonna be Joker is Wild, which is a great episode, and then uh, uh, Joker's Wild is part one or episode, the first episode, and then Batman is Riled is the second part, and then Instant Freeze and Rats Like Cheese are the <laughs> are the next two episodes, which we get to be introduced to Mister Freeze, yeah. which is uh, which is pretty cool as well. Obviously, this is a very very different Mister Freeze than yeah. the one that we know of now. Yeah, um, or the one that we're going to get in the Emmy series. Right, right. Very different than that. But uh, th- this Joker episode is a lot of fun as well. This is the one when Joe, which I thought this episode was later actually, but this is the one where Joker uh, gets his own utility belt, which is a lot of, uh, very much a lot of fun. So <laughs> those are the next uh, four Adam West Batman episodes we will watch next week. All right. So uh, that does it for this episode. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at UncapedReview for all the updates on episodes and just other thoughts that we have about news and just just pop culture news, superhero news, Star Wars news, stuff like that, tweeting about on there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMarkBrand. You can follow me at Ian Barkpark. So do that as well. And yeah. That's all I got for this episode. Any final thoughts, um, Ian? Uh, I don't think so, no. Expect a lot more Star Wars talk and (laughs) (laughs) ranting as we get closer. (laughs) Yeah, as more of that stuff comes out, boy, I can't wait. We'll we'll have to do a whole episode when Star Wars comes out. Uh, I almost hope it it never comes out. I I hope like it just keeps getting delayed and we just keep getting more behind the scenes news. (laughs) To be honest, that would be a lot of fun as well. But I think they at one point they had talked about delaying and like you can't delay it. A, they a should month out. delay it. They, they, they should, should absolutely. It. But, but uh, not, they can't at this point. Yeah, yeah, they probably yeah they won't. But anyway, tickets are bought. They are. They are. It would cost them a ton of money having to do that. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, keep uh just keep tuning in as we continue to work our way through the two definitive Batman shows, um of all time because that's 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 a lot of fun as well. Also, just yeah. all our other random talking about pop culture news. All right, so that does it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Mark. I'm in. Have a great week. Well,